Welcome to the Safety Culture Chronicles. I'm Kat Harrison, and I've spent the last few years working alongside Suzette Woodward, Dane Wigg and others as part of the Sign Up to Safety Culture team. This is our new podcast series that explores the most important lessons we've learned since the campaign launched in 2014. We see this as our handover to you, so that what we've experienced and learned alongside our 550 members is not lost, but can be used and built on further by anyone who's committed to creating a strong safety culture where they work. Over this time, we've grown to understand that patient safety is about so much more than short-term projects and harm-specific activity, which is so often aimed at small, discrete groups of people. It's hugely affected by how each person in the system behaves towards each other and is even directly related to whether or not we care for those who care for patients. We hope you find this series to be full of useful and practical information and also a giant injection of hope and enthusiasm for the future of patient safety. We've come a long way and there are many reasons to feel confident that the future looks kinder and focused on learning rather than blame. So welcome back to our um, Sign Up to Safety podcast series. Um, this is number six that we've recorded. And um, we got to the point of sort of thinking it might be a good time to sort of reflect on how things have changed in terms of the world of patient safety and the world of care compared to the world it was when we were developing the campaign in 2014. Because it feels, I mean, it's been five years, but it is flown. But then also you think about massive, massive changes it feels like yeah. part like the landscape itself so and it seems to happen every time it happened last time we did the campaign patient safety first and any big initiative you know the world it starts in isn't the world it ends in mm-hmm. um but I, it's just a very interesting i think thing to look at now because for sure loads of what's emerging is really positive and very um in tune with a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about yeah which is really heartening i think i think that's a really nice message to highlight to people yeah it feels to me like there um there are lots of people running in on different races um so there are some people who are um in the same place as we were in 2014 and still running or maybe even walking uh, or maybe even walking backwards um uh, in in their own race um and in then, terms of it being focused on so what i mean is i think that, yeah exactly i think that the the a world that I, I remember growing up in, um, in terms of safety, was very much around um, capturing incidents via an instant reporting system, logging them onto a computer, um, trying to figure out um, what the themes were and try to then uh, understand which ones should be investigated and then moving that onto an investigation and, um, uh, and then doing an investigation, which would probably come up with some fairly superficial recommendations and then uh and then the treadmill will continue and that that's very much what i i remember really clearly and i know for a fact that there are many safety people risk managers and so on who are still on that treadmill and not necessarily because they want to be but because they might be made to be or there's a certain pressure to continue that way of working depends what questions are asked of you really isn't it yeah a lot of the time and i also know that there are large swathes of people still working on individual harm by harm so there are quite rightly to some extent people working on how do you reduce falls and how do you stop um, sepsis or how do you notice sepsis and you can treat it and how do you reduce pressure ulcers and so on and so on and while there is absolutely the need for both of those things I just said there's the need to learn from things that go wrong there's a need to really truly understand why things go wrong and to really focus on those 
But I think more and more and more and more the safety world is on a different race mm-hmm. um, and that there are the, this sort of parallel group of people who are going, that's not working because it doesn't feel like care is getting any safer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like those falls are stopping falling mm-hmm. or those patients are stopping falling. It doesn't feel like the pressure uh, ulcers are getting any less. It just feels like we're stuck in a relentless capture information, analyze the information and often they're looking for who rather than why. And, and let's, you know, why did they, why did they, that individual, that team, why did they do that wrong? Um, and can we, can we blame them? So, but this other parallel track um, is going, actually, I think we're missing a trick. And that track that we referred to the last time was around the world of safety too, where in order to understand the totality of whether we can work safely or not, we have to understand how all of it is done. So the things that go wrong, the things that go well, the things that go amazingly is the whole picture. And also the mindset in there in, 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 in the world of safety too is to truly understand in terms of investigation that it isn't linear. It's very complex and it's uh, decisions that were made yesterday could be the same decisions made today or tomorrow and some lead to success and some lead to failure. And once you start thinking like that, you realise that it isn't a question of simply capturing stuff, investigating it and all will be fixed. Especially in hindsight, yeah. you're always looking. I think that's it, it's the complexity of it all. And once you recognise that and accept it, it changes your expectations yeah. of what's possible and where you should put your energy. And, and it just makes you realise that it isn't about these projects to try to reduce certain elements of harm. It's about helping people work safely. And we use that term a lot, but it is very much about how can we help the everyday person work every day safely? You know, and that's not just clinicians, it's everybody, it's managers, it's chief executive, it's porters, it's the GP, it's the community nurse. How can we and everybody help them work safely? And the only way that we can do that is to help them with the conditions in which they're working. So the environment they're working in, the tools that they've got to work with, the equipment they've got to work with, the people they've got to work with, have all got to help them achieve this very, very common aim that we all have. So in a way, today's safety world reminds me of the world um, of the start of the NHS uh, just over 70 years ago, which was we have a common purpose here. We have a common purpose of treating the people who are in our in our society with care and with love and to help them um, be well, or if not well, to be cared for in their last moments in a beautiful way. And that's, you know, the NHS is such an astonishing thing. And I feel like we've come to a point where we're going, let's go back and revisit that. Because safety is all about all of that, really, truly caring for people in the best way that we possibly can. And it isn't about these small little projects or these small interventions. And so 2014, I felt like that's where we were. And 2018, I feel like we're in a, a really different place. Mm. Yeah. Even though it's such a short time. But I also don't feel that people have quite caught up with that. No, and it's very difficult to judge where people are as well, because mm. I think a lot of the time you, or one goes out there and talks to people and you tend to gravitate towards people with the same yeah. sorts <laughs> of viewpoints. And, you know, one thing that I've found really, really hopeful over the last couple of years in particular is hearing more and more little grassroots you know, not little, but, you know, like really important, <laughs> impactful work happening. But it might just be, you know, an idea that someone's had and they've put time into that, like mm. the 10 things to know. 
on Twitter or, you know, learning from excellence is a, a bigger example of people doing, you know, getting an idea that's thinking differently. And the civility and saves lives. The civility saves you know, lives, massive. The, you know, yeah. that seems to be one guy, Chris Turner, who seems to be it's, championing the entire exactly. thing. There I must know, be more He's a that. spokesperson, so there's a couple of other people behind oh, it who do the evidence, but, but he's, yeah, he's he does a lot of this, the kind of public speaking around it. And, um, and that I love very much because it's, to go back to the quote, you know, other episodes, we talked about the challenge of how some of this kind of stuff, kindness and behaviour can feel, can all be labelled fluffy. And it's not, and it's, not robust. you know, not robust. And, you know, and there's, and actually, as we've said, there's an enormous amount of evidence um, to underpin its importance. But what's great about Chris Turner is that there's a great article he did with BMJ recently where he was like, do you know what? I'm an evidence person. If the evidence was telling me to be horrible to everyone, I'd be horrible to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but the evidence is saying that we need to be civil for very good reason. And I thought, actually, fair play, that's great. Because it it's it's not about sort of trying to dictate how people behave. It's actually about um, trying to encourage people to recognise the power of their behaviour mm. and the impact that has and asking them to take responsibility for that. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think civility to save lives is probably going to do great things for perhaps pockets of the audience out there who might be naturally a bit more cynical about what we started out talking about it does feel a little bit like a tipping point or um if it or if that's a bit too much to say or claim it does feel a little bit like we're on the cusp of something with all these pockets of people who are thinking very very similar things um and growing together because we're all learning together the nicest thing is that we've all recognized and connected up with those people doing similar things. So, you know, we talked about collaboration in our second podcast. Well, there's an amazing amount of collaboration going on in terms of our learning with each other, with the, with these people. And I keep bumping into them and then we sit down and we have a, you know, quick 15 minute, 30 minute coffee. And what are you, where, what are you thinking? And, and then the sharing of research and articles and books. And, you know, I have more books than I know what to do with it. Than I to read. <laughs> but uh, th- how joyous is that? So I do feel like there's, there's certainly um, um, a, a real growth of a community of people who are thinking very similarly. Um, so you mentioned how we, we might want to think about what does the future look like? Mm. And, so where do we take the fact that we feel that today is very, very different from 2014 and the fact that we feel like there's this growth, this urgency, this emergence and this joy of sort of looking at it differently. Where do we all think it could go in the future? Because mm. the last thing, you know, it's quite pertinent. We're recording this in November. So the last thing we ever want this to be is just a bit of a firework. And then that's that. <laughs> you know, we need this to be a sustained feeling and a sustained change across the whole of the NHS. That's our view. And hopefully people agree with us. But so how do we make that firework actually be sustained? How do we make it burn brightly and continue to burn for a very, very long time? Yeah, I think for me as well, it's always felt like a um, being a you know a, a meaningful stepping stone towards more knowledge as well. So that sense of kind of you know it's about growing knowledge and knowing that that will change again. So in ten years, if we were to have this conversation again, I wonder what the world would look like. You know, and I hope this trajectory continues. And I think it will. Like you say it does feel like it's a tipping point. It feels like it's accelerating as well. It's not, good. You know, if given we're into about four and a half five year period, and what that's. Mm. It's come, and a lot of this is in the last year and a half or so that this really this coalesce of like-minded teams and peoples and projects and learning from excellence and civility saved lives and all of those. And it all feels like we're 
became your family with these people. Yes. And we know that evidence takes time to gather and grow. Mm. And so maybe it is because some of these things will have been triggered a few years ago. I'm thinking maybe in the world of fatigue, you know, we've talked a lot about how important it is. You cannot be safe if you're tired. You can't be safe if you haven't had any sleep for the last three nights or so. You can't be safe if you haven't eaten properly or you haven't drunk properly. But the the fatigue world, for want of a better term, has been doing lots of research over the last, say, 10, 15 years. So now we're getting to reap the rewards of that research. Mm. So I think that's another thing that's kind of coming together is that people are researching things like gratitude, kindness, fatigue, hunger, and their relationships to both health, well-being, and safety are also coming to a point so that the, the people who need convincing start to have some hard data and some some real knowledge that might help them com- be convinced even more. Mm. So there is that potential. Yeah, I think so. I think for me that, that there's something about um, the... I think we talked about this yesterday in terms of the coming together of the good role model leader or leaders and the groundswell of staff who are saying, mm. I need help, I need more, I need you to look after me, I need, but I will take some ownership of it and so on. You know, we talked yesterday in a typical example of an organisation, a large organisation would have a board and a senior leadership of around 10 to 15 staff. And that the amount of staff would be between <laughs> seven and 8,000 people. Well, those seven and 8,000 people think that all the power is in the 15, whereas actually, tip it the other way, you've got 8,000 powerful people who could have a voice and make a difference. And I think that's ultimately when we talk back right to the beginning when people said, we want you to create a movement. Well, that's what we mean by a movement. We want the 8,000 people in an organisation to come together around a shared purpose that convinces the 15 people at the top of their organisation that this is what you need to help us with. So it's something like that I feel like the future could hold. Yeah. I think we're going to understand the means in which that can happen as well. So I think the things like giving people the opportunity to come together and talk and discuss these these things, that that yeah, allows for that to happen. Well. You know, across those groups and those tribes and yeah. let those out. Um, Without that, how can you unleash that power really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be through formal meetings or no. it's just... And even that actually was a trust I heard about the cope with the pressure is bringing sort of the, the, the management corporate side, they down tools and come and help, you know, make beds and things and then to suddenly get to meet other people that they never see from the same organisation and get to understand each other's worlds and, and also helps them get through the winter pressures and their sort of actually emergency and yeah. it was, you know, such a sim you know, just a Made sense yes. as an idea, but it had such a brilliant, brilliant sort of, sort of um, benefit for the culture. Yes, and Neil Spencer talks about that beautifully, doesn't he? In his, in his um, risky business talk, where he talks about how he stepped into the shoes of a nurse and he stepped into the shoes oh, of a cleaner, yeah. and then other people have talked about this. Well, <laughs> well yeah. you know the kind of the, the different experience it gave him versus being a you know potential. But people have talked about this for a long time, but actually, what he did for me was um, articulate it really well because he was doing it. For for a purpose and for a meaning and not just for the sake of I'm going to be a nurse for the day or cleaner for the day. He did it because he really wanted to understand the unit that he worked in um, in, a, in a much more in-depth way. And I think that's when you've got purpose behind why you're doing something, it becomes that meaningful exercise, doesn't it? And the purpose can be role modelling as well. So yeah. he was obviously seeking information, but I think something very powerful there was that it... It really set a tone, mm. and, I, and you know we're not. We talked about hierarchy again in an earlier episode, and how 
trying to you know draw attention to the fact that hierarchies exist but it's often often i hear that kind of hierarchy has to be equal to you know not valuing those lower down on the hierarchy like the, 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 you know they're not the same thing you can have a hierarchy where there's bosses and leaders and also have really really valued people on each single level yeah. of that hierarchy and i think that's what really came across for me in his talk was that you know, that's a really important thing to role model mm. the, type, the the pictures he showed you know arms around each other talking to each other his experiences the honesty about it he was quite humble about it as well. Like, you know, I've got a promotion to these five minutes. Though, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So all of these little things, they, you know, they're really... You could then write a report about what you learned or whatever, but you could but also just doing it. Yes. has been so important. Yes. Um, and I think that's one thing for sure, I think, is going to gain traction as we move forward into the future as well. The understanding that actually experiencing things is really important. It's not enough to sit and write a report mm. or yeah. write things down on paper you need to kind of live and breathe what you're saying <laughs> and be sincere yeah so i think that um you know the the future for me would be centrally around um really caring for the people who work in healthcare in order for them to be able to or capable of or um uh, or have enough support to look after the patients that are within their care, whether you call them service users or patients or, or whatever. Um, and it does feel a little bit like um, that's been missing. And the linkage between caring for the staff and their health and their well-being uh, in its broadest sense, so their psychological health, their physical health, their, um, their abilities to think and their time and all of those things that I've mentioned – as as fundamental to achieving safer healthcare, I think people just think, yeah, yeah, it's nice to look after your staff. But I think the more if we, we realise, yes, <laughs> the more we realise how fundamental it is to providing safer care, the better. So yeah, I think that feels a crucial thing for the future. So so if we look back at all the things in all of our podcasts, there's sort of some nice. So there's some nice new things uh, in in the lessons that we've had, which is. Find out how work is done. Mm. So right at the very beginning, when we wanted to find out how work was done and really talk to our membership and collaborate with them, never assume that they... Even if you have a theory, test Yes, never assume there's a single answer. Um, Then And then moving on from that, really thinking about what matters to them and how they create relationships and how they help to talk to each other. And we, we moved that and we studied that in depth with Beneath the Surface. And then... We moved that further to look at kitchen tables and genuinely wanting to ha- create a safe space for people to talk about safety. And then we understood that that meant not just when things went wrong, but when things went right. And then finally, we got to the point of really truly understanding what we think are the most three important things for safer healthcare, which is to really truly understand the whole picture mm. and to uh, really try to figure out how we can actually create the culture that is kind and not um, labelled with blame and incivility. The conditions that they need. And then obviously the final bit, which, you know, is the caring for the staff that care for their patients. I think it's just such a lovely place that we've found ourselves in. So if the future starts with the now that we've found, how amazing would that be? That would be magical. Absolutely. 
Gosh, I wish we had a crystal ball <laughs> and we could see into the future in five or ten years' time, but we'll have to get back together again. But like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> is that pop song? <laughs> the year 2020. Um, <laughs> God, that's only two years after next. Um, but no, we will, we've got great hope for the future. I think, you know, personally, I feel like it's looking bright. There's something that we've said before in our blogs and in our newsletters that it's a really, really good time to be working in patient safety. And it feels like there's a shift happening and it's looking like a future that's kinder and focused on learning rather than blame. And yeah, yeah, that's really looking like it could be happening. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up there and say goodbye for now. But what we're going to do is we're going to share these podcasts, obviously through all our... um, communication channels and we'd love for you to pose us any questions if there's anything you found confusing or you would like us to you know build on something or just explain it a bit better or you just got a question about anything that we've done then um let us know either on our twitter handle which is at sign up to safety i could just use hashtag sign up to safety or you could email us at um team at signuptosafety.org.uk and we'd be delighted to answer your questions. Thank you very much for listening and we hope you found it helpful. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. For us, Sign Up to Safety has just been one more step in the journey to understanding how to create a strong safety culture. So here's to the future and travelling further on this road together.